Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Well, good morning, faithful listener, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely Wednesday morning. Today, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, specifically 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're in a new chapter today, and we're going to talk about this war that Israel gets into with the Philistines. So let's go ahead and read this together. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version as usual, but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of and also your cup of coffee. And I highly recommend checking out Seven Weeks Coffee because they are small Christian business that supports life in the womb. I think they were able to raise something like $250,000 over the past two years to pregnancy centers. So a good portion of their proceeds actually go to uh, women in need and to pregnancy centers. So I highly recommend checking them out. I have them linked in the description of this podcast episode. And if you click the link, also a portion of Their income also goes to P40 Ministries, so you'll be supporting two small Christian businesses when you uh, purchase seven weeks coffee. But all right, let's go ahead and talk about 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. The word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. The Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. When they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. When the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has Yahweh defeated us today before the Philistines? Let's get the Ark of Yahweh's covenant out of Shiloh and bring it to us that it may come among us and save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, and they brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of Armies, who sits above the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? They understood that Yahweh's Ark had come into the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. They said, Woe to us, for there has not been such a thing before. Woe to us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and behave like men, O you Philistines, that you not be servants to the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Strengthen yourselves like men and fight. The Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated and each man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 footmen of Israel fell. God's ark was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. The first thing we can understand from this portion of scripture, just reading it very quickly, is that God will not be controlled. We cannot control God. We cannot manipulate God to do what we want him to do. It's just not going to work. God cannot be controlled by us. And that's what Israel was trying to do here. But to start out, it says in verse one that the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. So I don't know if this is talking specifically about the battle that's about to take place, 
because it doesn't exactly seem like that since the Philistines, it's pretty clear here, were the ones that initiated the battle. But I almost feel like verse one, the word of Samuel came to all of Israel, is almost a continuation of First Samuel chapter three. Because if you go back to First Samuel three, at the very end, it was mentioning how Samuel was uh, a very well-spoken young man, right? It actually says here in verse 21 of 1 Samuel 3, Yahweh appeared again in Shiloh for Yahweh revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by Yahweh's word. So sometimes when you see like odd transitions like this in scripture, don't forget that us humans were the ones who added the little numbers in the, the scriptures, like the verse numbers. When it was first written, there were no verse numbers or chapter breakdowns. It was all just like one continual story. So it is possible that verse one just continues from where chapter three left off, basically. So moving on, though, in verse one, it says, Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle. They encamped beside Ebenezer. The Philistines encamped in Aphek. And it says in verse two that the Philistines were the ones who initiated this battle. Now, I'd like to go into a little bit of detail about who the Philistines were, because this is the first time we, we really see the Philistines being mentioned. They were mentioned once before in Judges, but they were a much smaller tribe of people back in the days of Judges. And over time, they started growing in in big numbers. So now in 1 Samuel and moving forward, we're going to see the Philistines a lot because they are very populous people and they were friends with other ancient nations at this time, specifically Greece. Greece would actually give the Philistines armor and weapons and all sorts of stuff. And I guess also the Philistines were the first people to figure out how to like work with iron in the Middle Eastern region. So the Philistines were not somebody you wanted to mess with because they had allies, they were very populous, and they had a lot of weapons and they could figure out how to forge their own weapons. So that's who the ancient Philistines were. Now, because of the whole conflict going on in Palestine and Israel right now, I decided to do some research on that because I recently heard that the the term Palestine actually comes from the word Philistine. And since we're talking about the Philistines today, I figured, why not? I'll research that and talk about modern day Palestine. So I looked into it and it turns out that, yes, the word Palestine actually does originate from the word Philistine. And the Greeks were the ones who came up with that term. And the Greeks decided to call all of the Middle Eastern region Palestine. However, that's as far as it goes. Modern day Palestinians are most likely not related at all in any way to ancient Philistines because the Philistines were basically completely wiped off the map at around 500 ish AD. And there's like no history of the Philistines after that time period. They were basically completely destroyed during the Babylonian reign. So because of that, modern day Palestinians are most likely not related to ancient Philistines. More likely, Palestinians of today are descendants from both Arabs of the region and also Jewish people and Samaritans. <laughs> so pretty interesting. But anyway, the Philistines were 
notorious and strong and just not somebody you wanted to mess with. So when the Philistines went up against Israel in verse two, this was not good for Israel, especially since Israel was very, very far away from God at this time period. This would be during the time of the judges because Eli at this point in time was not only the high priest, but he was also the judge of Israel. So Israel still had their judges. And we know reading the book of Judges that Israel was as far away from God, Yahweh, as they could possibly get. Okay, because they just fell off the path. They weren't worshiping Yahweh at all. They were just doing whatever they wanted to do. And now we find out that the priests of the temple in Shiloh, where God was supposed to reside, the two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, were terrible human beings who were destroying the temple with like everything they were doing. So yeah, Israel was not following the Old Testament laws at all. And so now they're up against the Philistines and they have this massive defeat. And so they're wondering, the elders are wondering, they're like, why has Yahweh defeated us today before the Philistines? They're not realizing that in the Old Testament, God specifically said, hey, if you don't follow these Old Testament laws, if you do not worship me like you promised, then here is what is going to happen. And one of those things that was going to happen is that Israel would have a lot of military defeats. God is not helping Israel in battle. So they have a a very big defeat. 4,000 men died. So the elders get this great idea. They're like, you know what? We're going to go to the temple. We're going to take God's Ark of the Covenant out of there. And we're going to bring it into battle with us. And that is absolutely going to make God come down and help us defeat the Philistines. So they're using the Ark of the Covenant as like this good luck charm. And that's not what it was. The Ark of the Covenant was actually where the Holy Spirit was supposed to sit So just a quick recap of that. The Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place in the temple. And anybody that entered in there would be incinerated, basically, except for the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement could go into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. So the only person who could ever see God's Ark of the Covenant was the high priest once a year. However, on occasion, God would allow the Ark of the Covenant to leave the temple if the temple was ever traveling, but it was supposed to be done very specifically. It was supposed to be covered so that nobody could see it. It was supposed to be lifted by pallbearers, and it was supposed to also be protected because when Israel moved around and took the Ark of the Covenant with them, like way back in the wilderness in like the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy and stuff, they would cover it and it would also be like in the middle of all of the people. So that would show two things. It would show that the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be protected, right? Because it was in the middle. It was like in a protected spot. But also it was symbolic of God being in the center of Israel. And so when the people were traveling with the Ark of the Covenant near them, right in the center, it was showing that God was residing right there with Israel. So on a few occasions, the Ark of the Covenant did go into battle with uh, a few people. I believe it went into battle with Moses at one point in time. And then also with Joshua, with the very first battle that Joshua did against Jericho. Like in Joshua chapter two, the Ark of the Covenant went into that battle as well. But basically that battle was all done by God. 
Like, Israel did very little. But in general, the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to remain inside the temple unless God said, you can take it out of the temple. But the elders don't ask God. They're not like, hey, God, can we take the Ark of the Covenant out to battle with us? They don't ask God for anything. There is not a single prayer made to God in this entire portion that we read today. Instead, the elders, they just go to the temple and they take the Ark out of there. And Hophni and Phinehas, the two priests who were, who were supposed to protect the Ark and protect the temple, were totally cool with this. They're like, all right, let's take the Ark out of there. And Eli, the high priest, I don't even know what he's doing. He didn't say, this is a bad idea. Don't take God's Ark out of here. He's just like, all right, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. But anyway, nobody thinks this is a bad idea. And they take God's Ark of the Covenant out to battle with them. So when the Ark of the Covenant goes out, all of Israel who is fighting sees it and they make this loud cry, like this excitement cry because they see the Ark of the Covenant. And they're like, finally, we're going to be able to defeat the Philistines. Meanwhile, the Philistines, while all this is happening in the Israelite camp, are like strengthening themselves basically and each other. Like they're like encouraging each other because they're like, oh my gosh, the Ark of the Covenant is in the Hebrew camp. We are going to be destroyed. So in a way, the Philistines had, I, I shouldn't say they had, yeah, they kind of did have more faith in God and in God's power in a way than the Israelites did. Because at least the Philistines kind of understood that it was God in the camp, though they didn't know or understand who God was. They knew that the Ark of the Covenant was God's amazing power. And so they're terrified is what they said. It says the Philistines heard the noise of the shout in the camp and they said, what does this noise mean? And then they understood that Yahweh's Ark had come into the camp. Then in verse seven, it says the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. Then they said, woe to us. For there has not been such a thing before. Woe to us. So in other words, they're like, oh my gosh, we're, we're all going to die. We are going to die because God is now in the Israelite camp. Now, they don't know, once again, who God is because then they say, these are the gods. But that is not true because it is Yahweh. Yahweh was the one who defeated the Egyptians. These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. So then the Philistines, even though they recognize in some way that Yahweh God is way more powerful than them or their gods, <laughs> the Philistines don't turn to God. Instead, they're like, all right, we need to strengthen ourselves and go up into battle even better than before. They say, act like men and fight. So it's kind of an interesting response that the Philistines had. And I don't think it's uncommon to human nature to try to fight against God, even though you know that God is so powerful and so much better than you. It's the sinful human nature that we all have to fight against God, to rebel. So the Philistines choose to rebel. But like I said, because God was not going to be manipulated and because God was probably getting pretty tired of the Israelites just using him and not following the rules, God does not help the Israelites in this battle. The Israelites 
completely fell during this battle. It says 30,000 footmen of Israel fell and God's ark was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. So this means that God did everything in the prophecy that he gave to Eli that he said he was going to do. It ended up happening. Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's two corrupt children, the two priests of the temple, end up dying on the same day and in this battle. And it's pretty interesting because there's actually an account of this, an extra biblical account that was found in an area called Isbet Sarta, which is kind of close to Tel Aviv, if that helps. So there was this little pot shard that was found in this like excavation site in the 70s that had this inscription on it. And it took them a really long time to figure out what the inscription was. But when they finally deciphered it, they realized that it was actually an account of this battle from 1 Samuel 4. And what was written on it was an account of the ark being taken and also Hophni specifically dying, which is interesting because uh, Hophni's name was specifically mentioned on that little pot shard in like ancient Hebrew language, which they it took them forever to decipher. I can actually link the article in the description of this episode if you're interested in looking at that. But anyway, the moral of this story is that we can't just use God for our own personal gain. He is not some genie. He is God. And he wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. And so we can't just like call on God whenever we need him and not give in that relationship. Because if you think about it, if you did that to any of your friends or if your friends did that to you, would you want to hang out with that person if they were constantly demanding and asking things of you all the time, but then, you know, never giving anything in return? Now, you might be like, well, Jen, we can't give anything to God, but we can have a relationship with him. And that is something that God desires. It's the one thing God desires of us because we truly can't give him anything other than that personal relationship. So today, try to think of some ways where you can increase that personal relationship you have with God. Maybe it's praying more throughout the day. Maybe it's waking up 10 minutes earlier to hang out with God during a busy week. Maybe it's like taking time in your car to turn off the news or the radio and, you know, turn on some worship music or something and worship God for a few minutes while you get to your destination. But whatever it is, just try to encourage that relationship with God a little bit more this week. But faithful listeners, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I'm going to let you all go. But don't forget that the candlelit Christmas episode will be aired on December 24th at midnight. So basically on early Christmas morning. So tune in for that because it's something I do every single year and I really enjoy doing it. And I'm going to talk about Jesus's second coming (laughs) on Christmas Eve. And you might be like, how is that related to Christmas at all? I'll let you know on Christmas Eve. All right, faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your day and I'll see you tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Happy listening and God bless.